Thank you for joining our podcast here at Peninsula Covenant Church. Stay tuned as together we'll study God's Word. Welcome PCC. Uh, my name is Katie and it's good to be back with all of you uh, today, getting an opportunity to join as you're going through the fruit of the Spirit. Uh, it's nice to be back uh, somewhat virtually, but with each of you. Uh, so, so thanks for having me this week with you. Uh, I wanted to talk this week about uh, this idea of kindness, but to do so, I think we need to go back a little bit. And I have a question that I want to start us with today, which is this. Have you ever been canceled? If you don't know what cancel culture is, let me give a quick definition. It's a 21st century phenomenon. It's this idea that if you're in the wrong, essentially, or if you say something kind of dumb, or if you do something that, that seems kind of foolish or outdated, that you get canceled. And it's this thing that's been happening for a couple few years, and it's become a bit of a running joke, but also a real social reality. So I'm wondering, have you ever experienced being canceled? Have you ever done something or said something or attempted something and it didn't play out the way that you were hoping and the people around you either made fun of you or cut you off? Uh, have you ever been canceled? I experienced some version of cancel culture in an extreme way earlier this year when uh, a, a secret kind of came out uh, that myself and your own, your very own Danny Bowers and Jonathan Montahano uh, went live on a Netflix show and uh, this, this story kind of came out that, spoiler alert, uh, yours truly ended up falling into the lava. In the words of the legendary Jonas Brothers, I was slipping into the lava, trying to keep from going under, but it didn't pan out. And it was an incredible experience with cancel culture for myself because people took it upon themselves, some of you included, you're not exempt from this, took it upon themselves to call me, text me, DM me, and, and take it upon themselves to cancel me as dramatically as possible, saying, oh, I can't believe you're the one that fell. I can't believe that I saw this happen. And it was dramatic and ridiculous, and people went to great lengths to tell me exactly what they thought of my slipping into the lava. This cancel culture bit played out facetiously, but really dramatically in my life for the better part of a month. Way more people watched Netflix than I expected when Danny first signed us up for this show, okay? People were calling me out of nowhere just for the opportunity to tease me and cancel me for my outing on this show. That's a, that's a comical reality of a broader reality that actually can damage and rift relationships like none other. So I wonder, have you ever been canceled? Have you ever been wrong or have you ever said the wrong thing or done the wrong thing or felt ill-equipped for a situation and been cut off in such a way that was highly damaging for yourself and perhaps your relationship with yourself and with those around you? Today we're looking at uh, the passage that, that you all have been in for some time with Galatians 5, uh, and, and we're looking at, at this passage that talks about uh, this idea of social reality and holistic well-being. But to get to that, we have to address what's right in front of us, uh, honestly, incredibly prevalent in 2020 particularly, is this idea that if you're not just right, we're going to cut you off. If you don't have just the right ideas about certain things, you're cut off and we can't have relationship kind cannot be extended. 
I don't feel like I have to explain too much that this is everywhere in the tension and the pressure to be right, to do right, to think right, to have the right circles. This is everywhere. And so these words are incredibly timely for those of us who feel perhaps pressure from cancel culture. I want to open by reading our passage from Galatians 5 today. So if you, if you have your phone in front of you, if you want to Google Galatians 5, I'm reading from the NIV. Um, if you want to open your Bibles wherever you are. But before we step into this, I want to invite you to read this passage differently. Here's what I would like us to do. I would like you to, to read this passage and perhaps not make it a list of, well, I, I have this or I don't have this or I've done this or I've not done this. But I want you to read this passage and wonder at what a society might look like if it lived by this passage. What kind of society? Uh, some, sometimes we compare ourselves with the scripture and we're going, oh, I don't measure up. But sometimes the scriptures are there to inspire us to what could be so that we're, we're motivated to move towards Christ in that. So let your imagination run with this a little bit. Let your, let your mind wander a little bit to how great this could be. Out of Galatians 5, starting with verse 13. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. So I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other so that you do not do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying each other. I'm going to pray for us right now. Jesus, I ask right now uh, that these words, that this picture you've painted of how you want us to be able to live in the safety of kindness and away from dissensions, God, I ask that these words uh, go down deep into our hearts and souls and minds and bodies, that we truly have eyes to see and ears to hear how it is that you have invited us to live so that we can experience your kindness and in turn share that with others. God, turn our hearts and our minds towards you. All of this in Jesus' name. Amen. This passage is so interesting because particularly when it talks about the acts of the flesh, there's actually four genres of sin in here. It's easy to just read this list and go, oh, a bunch of bad things, but there's actually genres to this. There's a sexual sins genre, there's a religious sins genre, there's a social sins genre, and there's a drinking sins genre. 
it's fairly common knowledge that Christians are expected to live differently than most of secular culture. It's fairly common knowledge that people say, oh, those, those Christians, they have those crazy sex rules or expectations, or those Christians, they're, they're not supposed to be out partying and getting drunk all the time. Or those, some of those are, are more or less known by most people. But what's interesting is that the biggest genre out of these four, again, sexual, religious, drinking, and social, the biggest genre is actually the social. The most sins listed here are actually social sins. So when we look at this list and we say, oh man, it, you gotta watch out for the sexual sins, you gotta watch out for the orgies, right? It's easy to miss that actually in here are things like selfish ambition, or dissensions, or discord, or just pure hatred. But the biggest list in here is this list of social sins. And then it is, it is set against the idea of living by the Spirit. And again, I want us to use our imaginations and say, what would a society look like if, if, an, if society was centered around love and joy and peace? What would a society look like if it didn't have factions and envy and fits of rage, but it actually had this peace and forbearance and kindness and goodness and self-control. What would this society look like? I know it's one that I would want to be a part of. If someone just put these two lists side by side and said, these are two different movies, you get to live in one, I can guarantee you I would choose the one with goodness because I don't want to live in a, in a world in which I have to fight everybody else's selfish ambition. This is the choice that God is setting before us. And so I want to highlight particularly one of these social sins and one of these fruits of the Spirit today. I want us to look especially at this idea of dissensions being an act of the flesh and kindness being a fruit of the Spirit. Here's what's interesting. This passage, it says in verse 21, those who live like this, those who live by the acts of the flesh, those who live, again, specifically today, we're talking about dissensions. Uh, the definition of dissension is, is uh, disagreement that leads to division. Disagreement that leads to division. So as, as we look at this disagreement that leads to division, it says that, that those who act out of disagreement that leads to division will not inherit the kingdom of God. It's important to clarify something and be very clear right here. This does not mean, hear, hear me clearly, this does not mean if ever you've had a disagreement that led to a division, that now you're not going to heaven. That is not what this passage is saying. To understand what this passage is saying, I actually want us to look at a story, it's out of Luke 17, where some teachers of religious law tried to corner Jesus with a question. And they essentially said, Jesus, when is the kingdom of God gonna come? We have to recognize this was a period of severe social and political unrest. So they looked all around us, not unlike our situation today where so many people are looking around and saying, when is the kingdom of God gonna come? So much is broken. When are we going to see it? When is it going to be rest? When can I just go to heaven and get away from all of this? These Pharisees, these, these teachers of the, of the religious law have a similar attitude here. They're saying, Jesus, when is the kingdom going to come? Because we're all done with this. Jesus' answer is profound. He says, oh, the kingdom of God is already here. The kingdom of God is within you. It is already in your heart and in your mind. You can touch it, you can feel it, you can live it today, right now. The kingdom of God is already among you. 
that word that Jesus spoke then is also true now, that the kingdom of God is among us. So when in Galatians 5.21 it says that those who live in dissensions will not inherit the kingdom of God, what it means is that today right now when we act out of the flesh and we live with dissensions and envy and sexual immorality and drunkenness and the like, when we live in these things, we are sacrificing right here and now an opportunity to live in the kingdom. When we choose division and factions and envy in our conversations with our coworkers, we lose right here and now an opportunity to live the kingdom of God that is good and right and just and true and full of peace and mercy. When we choose to draw lines in the sand and cancel culture, people who vote differently than us, we lose the kingdom of God right here, right now, and the opportunity to see it among us. Jesus' words to the Pharisees in Luke 17 explain to us these words in Galatians 5 in that we understand that it is so close. The kingdom of God is already within us. It's just a matter of letting the Spirit have His way. Our modern culture is not all wrong to encourage us to look within ourselves. It's just that sometimes they're looking for the wrong thing. We know what's inside of us. It is the Spirit of God. As followers of Jesus, we've been given this Spirit that leads us to kindness. This isn't a ticket to ride. Don't do these things. Do do these things. You'll get into heaven. Here's your free ticket. That's not what this is. It is a daily reality that in the midst of a culture that lives differently, we have an opportunity to live with kindness. I, I, I believe that there's a lot of things that we could be divided about today. One of the things, hear me out, one of the things is that there's two kinds of people in America today, okay? The first is those who have seen Hamilton, and the second is those that cannot stand it, okay? I fully believe that if you've seen Hamilton or listened to it or watched it on Disney+, Plus, you love it automatically. I have yet to meet someone who has experienced it in some capacity and doesn't love it. And then there are those who are like, I'm not turning on the soundtrack. I'm not watching it on Disney Plus. I'm not going to pay that much money to go and sit at a seat. That's okay. You can, you, we all get to make our own decisions. I'm not going to make this a, a disagreement that leads to division among us. But I think this is one of the greatest pieces of art to come out of this century. I know that's a bold claim. I'm going to stand by it. And if you want to fight me about it, then go for it. Gary G at wearepcc.com. He would love to take your questions on this, okay? On the pre preacher that came in today with all this divisive content. But this Hamilton play is, is brilliant, I think, for a number of reasons, one of which is it captures humanity in some really unique ways. And there's a song in it towards the end um, that I think is one of the most beautiful songs on the album because it addresses, it opens with this line that there are moments that the words can't reach. There's suffering too powerful to name. That line, I think, describes reality for many of us in 2020. There are just so many moments the words, the words can't reach. There's so much suffering that's just, we don't, we don't know how to name it. So many people have lost loved ones this year. So many people have lost livelihoods this year. So many people have lost any semblance of normalcy. So many teenagers have lost senior year. So many people have lost so many things this year and we don't know how to reconcile. We don't know what to do with that. This song, I think, is profound because it starts in this place of saying there's just, there's, there's, 
moments that words don't reach. There's places that we're going that we need something. And over the course of the song, it, it, it's, this, it's this beautiful moment in which two, uh, two people, a mother and a father who have lost their son, um, find reconciliation. And there's this single moment in which, in which uh, Eliza takes Hamilton's hand. And every single moment I, I hear, every, t- every time I hear this moment, uh, I start crying because I think it's so profound. It's an act of such extreme kindness that two people who are in a moment that words can't reach experience a strong kindness. I want to suggest to you that kindness is a severe commitment to another's good. Severe commitment to another's good. This moment in Hamilton I think is so powerful because there's this severe commitment to be by another even in the moments that the words can't reach. There is a severe commitment in this passage in Galatians 5 to be for someone else, even when it doesn't make sense. We're in a moment in 2020. We have an election this week. We're in a we're in a social we're in a social construct that has so many opportunities to live by the acts of the flesh. You get a decision. If you're a voting age, you get a decision this week to walk into a polling place or not. That alone is divisive in 2020. Mail-in ballots, sending it in, walking into your polling place. But if you walk into a polling place on Tuesday, you have an opportunity to either look at the person next to you and based on what hat they may or may not be wearing to decide whether you hate this person or not. You have a clear opportunity nearly every single day of 2020 when you look at the news, when you open your socials, when you decide whether or not to go home for Thanksgiving to that one relative. We have so many chances in 2020 to live in these acts of the flesh. It is so easy. Everyone's doing it. It's so easy. So what I'm not doing today is I'm not preaching a moral sermon. What I'm not doing today is telling you, listen, there's this culture, it's divided, we have a problem, you should be kind. What I'm not doing today is telling you to muster up all the kindness in your heart because what that would be is the counterfeit of kindness, which is just niceness. Anybody can be just nice. Anybody can paste on a smile. Well, I know a couple people who say I can't. They're like, I can't fake it, I can't do it at all. But almost anybody can paste on a smile and muscle through a a few conversations and and fake it till they make it and just kind of be nice for the sake of being nice because that's something we think is important as Americans. Anybody can do that. What I'm asking of us today is to trust in a God who is kind. I'm not asking you to, in your own strength, walk into a polling place on Tuesday morning and decide not to roll your eyes at the person next to you. I'm not asking you to walk in and pretend to be nice to everybody and give a fake smile across the way. I am asking you to depend upon God's kindness for God so loved the world, a passage so many know. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son a severe commitment to another's good that nobody should perish, that nobody should be canceled, but that all might have eternal life, the kingdom within all of us right here and right now. 
there's this beautiful story in the scriptures of a woman named Abigail. And uh, Abigail was uh, a wife to a man who, whose name literally meant fool. And this man decided to get on the nerves of the king at the time, who was King David, and, and Nabal, this, this fool of a man, uh, essentially picked a fight pretty intentionally with a powerful king. So King David, with his pride and ego being hurt, gathered up his mighty men and started marching towards Nabal's house. And he took an oath. He said, oh, may, may I die if I don't kill Nabal and his whole household today. Very dramatic. He was very worked up. He was living in hatred and discord and jealousy and fits of rage and selfish ambition and dissensions. He was, he was maybe living in all of them in the same moment. And he's marching on his way. And Abigail, a woman of wisdom, and a woman who understood kindness said, no, 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 not on my watch. There's not going to be dissensions today. And she, in full wisdom, decided to bring a bunch of food to these hungry, angry men. And she loaded up donkeys and she brought all this food to them. And they met them on their way. And she, and she got on her knees and she said, King David, do not destroy this house today. Eat, <laughs> calm down. It's going to be okay. Do not destroy this house today. So many of us in 2020 are Nabal or David. So many of us are so easily triggered by a news headline. So many of us disagree so strongly. I could say a number of words right now, sexuality, abortion, Black Lives Matter, Trump, Biden, third party, and, and, and some of you, your blood is boiling just because the thought of those conversations, the thought of the person who disagrees with you in that conversation is, is so prevalent on your mind. We're so stressed, we're so worried about being right. We're marching towards the battle or we're sitting back and throwing rocks. But God comes to us like Abigail came to David and says, eat, calm down, don't kill anybody today. David ends up being so grateful for Abigail's interceding. He says, the Lord is speaking to me, I was wrong. A severe commitment to another's good is what God has done for us. And it is only once we experience that from God himself that we then can share that with others. What I'm asking you to do today is not to be a, a more morally better person. What I'm asking you today is to experience God's kindness because he has a severe commitment to our good even when we're in the wrong with him. He has a severe commitment to our good even when we disagree with him. He has a severe commitment to our good, even when we're as far away from him as we could possibly get. I want to close today with a simple invitation. I'm not going to challenge you to go out and be more kind or less divisive. I'm going to invite you to experience God's kindness. Maybe this is for the first time ever that you're going, I, I haven't had anyone be kind to me in so long. I've been walking on eggshells in my home, in my work, in my school. I've, I've been trying to say and do the right things and nothing but. But God invites you today to know his kindness, his authentic and severe commitment to your good and your wholeness. He's stopping you in your tracks like Abigail stopped David. And he's saying, I, I, I'm going to show you my kindness today so you in turn can be kind to others. I'm going to show you my kindness today so you can be kind to yourself. The invitation is simple. Receive God's kindness. 
If you're sitting there today and you haven't experienced it in a long time, you haven't experienced it since yesterday maybe, you haven't experienced it in years, you haven't experienced it ever, the invitation is simple. It is this, it is Jesus, I want to know kindness. I want to know your kindness. I want to know your forgiveness. I don't want to be canceled because I'm wrong. I want to be loved because I'm worth it. I'm going to pray for us. And as we do, I would just invite you to, to physically hold out your hands as a physical reminder uh, to expect something from God. He shows up when we ask him to show up. He turns to us when we ask him to turn to us. So as a, as a physical uh, prayer, I would ask that you just turn your hands up to receive uh, this blessing. Jesus, we know we need you. We know that we are missing kindness in so many of our lives and we need, we desperately need someone to love us and be kind to us right where we're at with all of our faults, with all of our wrongs, with all of the things that we're, we're, we feel strongly and passionately about, with all the things we disagree about, we need someone to love us now. God, meet us in those places. Meet people exactly where they're at. Do whatever it takes to show them that you love them and you are kind. And then in turn, change our hearts and our minds so that we say, this kindness I've experienced, I have to share it. I have to go to every person I disagree with and show them kindness because this is so powerful. Jesus, we're so grateful for your kindness. We're so grateful for your love. We pray all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to our message podcast here at Peninsula Covenant Church. We would love the opportunity to connect with you more. We are located in Redwood City, California, and you can find us online at wearepcc.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by simply searching for We Are PCC.